Welcome back to Evolving Prisons. Today I speak with Ari Hoidel and Tonya Culbertson from Holden Prison in Norway. Ari is the governor there and has worked in corrections in Norway since 1987. Tonya is the training supervisor, responsible for supporting new recruits throughout their training. She has worked in around six different prisons and knew from a very young age this was the career path she wanted to follow. Holden Prison has been featured in the media as the world's most humane prison. Ari and Tonya tell us about the work that is happening in Holden and how it differs from some other prisons in Norway, and the impact for both people in prison and prison staff of more humane prison conditions. We also speak about prison officer training and how this has evolved over time in Norway. I hope you enjoy this episode. So first of all, do you both want to tell me about your background and why you both decided to work in corrections in Norway? Uh, my background is I studied the law in the 80s, University of Oslo. Started in corrections uh, June uh, 1987, quite a lot of years ago. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of changes in Norway in that time too. A lot of changes from the 80s and up today. I started uh, my first job in the Department of Justice. I worked there for two years and after that I worked in Oslo prison. It was the biggest prison in Norway, so I started there in 1989, and I worked there until 2008. Wow. In 2008, I applied for this job in Halden Prison. So I've been governor in Oslo Prison and in Halden Prison for many, many years. Fantastic. And um, we'll come back to that about the differences with Halden. But Tonya, do you want to tell us about how you got into corrections? I can do that. I was actually quite young. I think I was in like seventh grade when I wrote a letter to the prison academy asking for information. This was before internet. So I just knew I wanted to work with people with a trouble background and decided quite early that I wanted to work with corrections. And I just had to kind of wait till I was old enough to apply. And so when I got old enough, I did, you know, other things in between, but I was 21 and I I got in and I've been there ever since. I've been in different prisons and also had side jobs along the way as well. But I've been in um, five or six different prisons before Holden. And I also worked in uh, mental care and with refugees. Wow, fantastic. And were you the same? Did you apply to work in Holden or were you asked to work in Holden? I think it was kind of combination. I I think at some point they wanted people to kind of show interest. So I guess I did that. And then uh, I got a phone call. I was working at a neighboring prison when I got a phone call asking if I could start on Monday. And that was in 2009. So I've been there ever since. Perfect. And obviously, Holden is quite a new prison. How did it work? Because obviously, around the world, it's dubbed as the most humane prison in the world. How was it sold to you both when you heard about it? Was it sold as this is going to be a very different prison to what you know? Or, or what were you told about it? When, uh, when I applied to be governor in this prison, they say that this should be a special prison. So uh, therefore, I wanted to apply for it because I worked in a prison. It was the oldest prison in Norway, and it was not very modern. <laughs> when I heard about Halden Prison, uh, they say it should be a lighthouse in the correctional service in Norway. <laughs> so therefore, I wanted to try to work in a total new prison from a very, very old prison. And I 
happy for that. <laughs> Brilliant. And do you notice a massive difference then between Oslo Prison and Holden? We'll go into detail about what sets it apart from other prisons, but just on the surface, do you notice a big difference? Very big difference uh, because the oldest part of Oslo prison is now closed down. So that was built in 1850. So it was very old when it, they closed it down. It was 170 years old. Mm-hmm. The rest of the Oslo prison now is, uh, I will say, it's a prison with uh, very little activity. It's a lot of isolation. So they also plan to close down that part of Oslo prison. So uh, they want to build a new Oslo prison with a new way of thinking, uh, correctional service. So it's very big difference between uh, Oslo prison and Halden prison. So we have a lot of activities and uh, it's not much isolation in this prison, but in Oslo prison, it's a lot of isolation. Okay. And what about yourself, Tanya? Was it the same? And was it sold to you the same kind of way or did you hear different things? I mean, I worked in smaller prisons and bigger prisons, newer and older, and they're all very different. But for me, I think Holden Prison is like, that was what Norwegian Correctional Service was supposed to be like. It wasn't sold as this is going to be the world's most humane prison. That came later. Mm-hmm. But Holden Prison was going to have everything that I wanted to work with. And I've had bits and pieces of that in all the other prisons as well. So it's not like a completely new or it wasn't like a new world or anything. It was this is what we are supposed to do and how we're supposed to work. And I knew it was going to be like, oh, I said as well, like a lighthouse. You know, we were supposed to have all the programs and all the all things. But that's, I don't know, that was probably a bit naive, but I thought that's what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't think that's naive. I think a lot of people who believe that prison is for rehabilitation expect a prison to have all of that. So tell us then, for somebody who has never seen a photo of Holden, never heard of Holden, tell us what it's like. What sets it apart from other prisons in Norway? When I visit from many countries all over the world, many visits. So they say when when they see the prison from the outside, it looks very much like a prison. Big walls, high security prison, but when you come inside, it don't look like a prison any longer. It, uh, yes, they call it a uh, campus in a university. So um, the buildings don't look like prisons. And uh, that was uh, part of the plan. When the architects planned this prison, they wanted to make a prison that didn't look like a prison. Yeah, the campus is a good name on it. And it's not flat, like... Most prisons in other countries, they're flat. They just blow away all the rocks and all the trees and they make a parking lot before they build a prison. Mm. We've kept all the nature and we kind of built a prison in between there. Wow. So what kind of things would you see in there that makes a society? Yeah, You have um, buildings where the inmate is living. We call that uh, living units. Mm-hmm. It's their homes, quite a good standard on the, on the cells. So um, they stay there um, when they're not in, a, in the workshops or in school. They are in the unit, go up in the morning, go to the school or to the workshop uh, like normal days outside the, the prison. So therefore we call it the normality principle, quite a normal day. So it's a big area behind the walls and uh, a lot of trees and nature, quite special to be a prison. I bet. No barred windows. 
windows, but no bars. Yeah, so. yeah. Amazing. And their cells, do they have free access to their cells or is it like a normal cell where when they're in there, they're locked in? They close the door at 8.30 in the evening. After that, they cannot get out. Okay. And they open it in the morning, 7.30. The rest of the day, they have, um, of course, access to their rooms, and uh, but in the daytime, they are at work and school. So um, when they come back, they be in the room or out in the, in the living unit. And in maximum, security prisons are used less and less, and it's about... I don't know. I should probably not say this. But a little stone edge to lock people in all the time. So we try to keep them out of their cells as much as possible. And we try to use maximum facilities as little as possible as well. Because okay. yeah, it's not the best for a lot of people, obviously. Yeah. And what kind of leisure activities are they able to do in the evening? The yard, of course, uh, where they have airing and exercise out in the yard. And we have uh, activity culture building where they can have sport activities two or three times a week they can go there and they are in the unit and um, play card and look at tv or play wow and i remember Tonya, when we spoke before you said that it wouldn't be uncommon for prison officers to sit with people in prison and play guitar with them is that right yeah that's right we we try to spend as much time as possible with the inmates whether it's volleyball football play the guitar or play card games ping pong whatever we try to spend as much time with them as possible that's brilliant and am i also right in saying that they tend to make a lot of their own meals as well they do not at the intake and we also have a special housing unit where they're not have access to a full kitchen but the normal units they have a full kitchen and they make an extreme amount of food they have, yeah, they chip in, they go to the store. We have a store at the prison as well, a grocery store. So they go shopping and they all chip in and they, they make meals every day. A lot of a lot of cooking, a lot of baking. Fantastic. And I've seen this in a documentary. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but do you have a visiting house where the families of people in prison can come and stay for the weekend? Yeah, we have a visiting house where they can have an overnight visit. Mm-hmm. And uh, we focus on uh, what's best for the children. So uh, you have to have children if you shall use uh, the visiting house. Uh, okay. Yeah, if everyone thinks it's uh, good for the children, they can have overnight visit, 24 hours. Brilliant. That's really good. It's good for them. They have to go through like a parenting guidance program stuff before they are able to use or allowed to use that visiting facility, the room or the house. But it's proven to be great to restore relationships between the kids so it's nice for them to have that as an important role in their lives, even if they're in prison. Yeah. And that's the thing. I'm sure you've heard it many times. I've, I've heard the people in the public who say that, you know, some Norwegian prisons are like holiday camps. But actually, you two know way more than I do, obviously. But even from my experience, if you treat people humanely in prison, use the principle of normality they're going to be better citizens when they come out. And as you say, Tonya, so much research finds that family ties are so important to reduce recidivism, aren't they? Definitely. And it all makes sense. And Otto is probably going to say a whole lot more about how things have changed, but I've been in the correctional service for almost 20 years now. And 20 years ago, I had to defend my job quite heavily when people ask questions, but I don't do that anymore because we've been so open. You know, we've had Netflix documentaries, we've had Michael Moore, we've had all these people inside the wall. So I think 
for the average person, you know, who's never been in prison, they have a broader understanding of why it's important to do the things we do. They're all going to get out. And even in a like sort of selfish perspective, you and your kids are going to be much safer if we do a good job with inmates and they're better off when they get out than they were when they came in. So even if you don't really like care about the inmates in a selfish perspective, it's also a good idea. And people understand that. Yeah. What you'd said about how you used to have to defend your job. So has Norwegian culture and views towards prisons and prison staff changed over the years? I think so. That's my personal opinion, but I think it's all has, it has a lot to do with holding prison and how open we've been. People didn't know anything about prisons when I first started, but they're a bit more enlightened. They, they know what we do now. When I started in the service, um, I worked as a prison officer in the 80s in Oslo prison because I needed some money to my study from 84 until 87. We didn't talk to inmates about what problems they have. We didn't uh, interact like you do today. It was more a distance between the inmates and the officers, uh, more focus on security work. So uh, we call it um, guard duty. You were, were guards, not like today, where you also helped inmates. That was the social workers who to do. So the officers take care of the security, of course, treat the inmates in a human way, of course, but not uh, focus on rehabilitation work. That came in the 90s. We had a big change in the, the Norwegian Correctional Service. I will call it a total change because uh, in the 80s and early 90s, we had a lot of trouble with a lot of things in the Norwegian Correctional Service. We had um, a lot of escapes, riots, they had murder of two officers, drug problems, psychiatric problems. So uh, it, it was a lot of problems in the correctional service. So it was the government to make a white paper for the parliament and they discuss new values for the correctional service. How shall the prison officer work? So um, it was a total change. Oh, the way the prison officer, how can he use that resource in a better way? So at that time, we, we had a big change and, and the prison officer had a new role. So that was a paradigm shift for Norway. Mm-hmm. And how long was the training back in the 1980s? Because I know now you are also known for having one of the best training systems in the world for prison officers. But how long was the training back in the 1980s for them? I think it was two years also in the 80s. Okay. So, uh, it, in the 80s, they didn't have uh, so much focus on rehabilitation work. They get a lot of new subjects in the education in the 90s like ethics, the law, but uh, it has always been uh, two years, I think. Okay. And Tonya, I know that you're quite heavily, or were last time we spoke, quite heavily involved in the training of prison officers. For somebody who doesn't know anything about training in Norway and maybe would want to be a prison officer in Norway, can you tell us how the training looks today? Yes, I can do that. So I um, forgot to say that when I introduced, kind of introduced myself, but I'm a trainee supervisor. So that's my full-time job is to train prison officers, both the academic side of it and the actual prison work. 
So as it is now, we're in a changing process. It's going to be a three-year bachelor's program for all prison officers in not too long. But as it is now, it's still two-year program. So they they start at the prison academy and do the first semester there with the causes of crime and ethics, professionality, and law, like Otto was saying, a little introduction to the role of being a prison officer. And then, then they get sent out to different facilities that are trained to house all these students. So we get between 15 and 18 students every January that are going to stay with us for a year. So right now we have new students. They came 4th of January. And then it's split into two subjects, which uh, the first one is security and risk assessment and risk management. And the other one is social work and re-entry work. And they also, we also spend a lot of time on use of physical force and all the practical aspects of being a, a prison officer. So that's what that year looks like. So it's, and we spend a lot of time training the students to become reflective prison officers and loads of time on just reflecting over different things they experience out in the unit, different thoughts, different ideas, different meetings they have with staff and inmates to make them able to figure out who they are as prison officers, because they don't know that when they first start. They need to kind of find themselves and then figure out what kind of prison officer they want to be. And to, so we kind of see them through that year, watching the first time they see a prison and then they go out a year later as fairly confident prison officers. It's a nice journey to be a part of. So when they're done with that period, and that period is like, it's 50, well, 60% working out on the units and it's about 40% uh, academic, like classroom subjects. Uh, And after a year, then they go back to the prison academy for the last semester to have more of the social work and the re-entry and more of the risk managing programs. That's brilliant because there are so many countries around the world that, you know, will only train their prison officers for a matter of weeks and then throw them into a prison and half of them run a mile and the ones that do stay really don't know what to do. So it's brilliant that you invest so much time into these prison officers because the impact in the long term must be incredible. Definitely. Yeah. You must be able to sit down and discuss with the inmates, discuss the crime. Why are you here? What shall we do to help you stop being a criminal? So it's, it's much more interaction between uh, the officers and uh, the inmates now than it was earlier. So that, I think, is the b- biggest change. But we have done that now since the um, 90s, so it's 30 years since we changed this. Okay. And we spent a lot of time on that, case training with the students, communication skills, different communication techniques, de-escalating communication. De-escalating communication is the biggest part of like our use of force training. You know, We spent a lot of time doing that. Yeah, I'm not surprised though, because you see in the news horror stories where, you know, officers have restrained people in prison and unfortunately they've died. Or the alternative is, um, I remember you saying to me before, Tonya, which I think is very powerful, is that if a person in prison is at a level 10 of anger, you don't go in and match that. You start at a one and then potentially a two and and go up. And it's so powerful because if you go in at the same level as them, then it's, it's not going to work. But I fear that a lot of prison services perhaps do that. They go in full riot gear and it might be much more difficult to de-escalate the situation. Definitely, definitely. We always try to, like you said, we go in on a one and we try to bring that inmate down to our level and it works. But if we go in on a 10 as well, the same level, then we're going to create a new level above 10 together. 
So yeah. it, it doesn't, yeah, it makes sense. It works perfectly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to go in on a turn eventually, but we don't start out there. Yeah. We also, of course, here in Norway have um, angry inmates. So, <laughs> of course, we have uh, violent problems because um, they are tough guys outside. Of course, uh, we have fightings also in Halden prison, but most fightings between inmates. And uh, But we also have uh, violence against officers. So it's not... Um, only a Sunday school. <laughs> it's, it, it can be quite tough also in this nice prison. I bet. And that's the thing. I'm sure it's not perfect. Nothing in life is perfect. I'm sure you still have a lot of challenges to deal with. And if um, I ask an inmate, they will always say, this is still a prison. Mm-hmm. It's nice here. It's nice buildings. It's nice, nice surroundings. But it's still a prison. Yeah. Because we take, we take the freedom from them. This is a high security prison. We have a lot of uh, routines, rules. We have a lot of cameras, uh, high walls. So it's still a prison. Yeah. And they realize that the staff from other countries as well, well they, because one thing is what you see from Holden Prison, you read about it in the news and in Time magazines and all that. And you come and experience it firsthand. And they realize that people are people and prisons are prisons and inmates are the same. The crimes are the same. The challenges and problems are the same. We kind of, we deal with it maybe a little bit different, but the inmates are still the same. Yeah. Both very good points. Firstly, I can't remember who it was I spoke to, but somebody said to me before that they have been in many prisons around the world, many nice prisons around the world, and they are yet to walk out of one thinking, oh, I could happily live there. You know, as you say, it's still a prison. And just based on what you said there about the type of inmates in Holden, what kind of inmates do you have? Is it a range of crimes that they've committed? Yeah, we have everything uh, except the most serious crimes. We have one uh, special prison for the most serious crime in Oslo, Gila prison. But we have uh, murderers. I know I think we have um, over 20 inmates here who have killed people. A lot of drug smugglers because we are nearby the Swedish border here. Yeah, everything. But it's a high security, so it's um, serious crimes. And we have quite a bit of sexual offenders as well. It's kind of yeah. top of that statistic. Okay. And the prison officers then, do you have special kind of training to deal with sex offenders? Do you have specific officers that work with them? Or do the officers all work with all inmates? They all work with all inmates. We have training for working with different, I mean, kids, you know, younger inmates and sexual offenders and violent and uh, drug addicts. And, and so we're all trained for the same, working with the same people. We don't have a separate sexual offender unit or a separate prison for that. So they're mixed in with everybody else. And we have specialized programs for inmates in that category, but they're treated like any other inmate. Yeah. And it's great, again, that your training's so long because you do have such a wide variety of crimes that have been committed that it's great that you are able to work with all types of prisoners. That's important for the education here in Norway that we can work with everyone. But as Tonya said, we have special programs for different type of crimes. And we also have a drug unit here where the inmate who are there and are motivated to stop using drugs. So, of course, the officers there are specialized in uh, drug treatment. 
And is that specific to Hall then that you have this drug unit or do all prisons in Norway have that? Many prisons have that, uh, but not everyone. And we also cooperate with the healthcare authorities uh, in that unit. Ah, okay, so you have people coming in because I understand that a unique thing that Norway does as well, if I'm right in thinking, is that the systems that are used outside are also used in prison. So it's the same healthcare system. It's the same psychologists and things. Is that right? Yeah, we call that the import model. Okay. So we, we import the teachers, we import the healthcare people, we import the priests. They have their chief and bosses outside, but they work inside the prisons. So they, they work here, but they have their organization outside in the community. It's all part of the, like the normality principle as well, that to make sure that they get the same level of education as you know students on the outside, supplement to the, the principle of normality. Mm-hmm. And I, when you said earlier that they, they go to work in Holden or they study, what kind of jobs do they do? And when they study, is it like a university degree or is it something else that they're doing? It's uh, in a lower level, what you call it, in um, high school high school level. Oh, okay. But uh, we have a lot of different workshops. So uh, woodworking workshop, car care workshop. We have uh, a lot of <laughs> art and crafts, restaurant here. And we have a print shop. Yeah, you name it. We have a lot of different workshops. And a lot of them are like a cooperation uh, between the school and the prison. So they, they go to work, but they're also getting an education at the same time. If they wow. work in a restaurant or at the kitchen or the, or the cars, whatever, they can actually, they can get an, an education in that field as well if they're, if they're here long enough. Yeah. And is the working in a restaurant, do they leave the prison to go to a restaurant or do you have a restaurant on site or how does it work? We have a restaurant. Wow. Inside. <laughs> wow, fantastic. So how does that work? Is that where the inmates would go and eat or something no, else? I think that is an English idea. I know that in a lot of prisons in England, they have restaurants inside the prison. So uh, they can um, educate to be uh, work in the restaurants outside. So we, we take that idea from England. They don't go there on a, like a daily basis to eat, but we can book a table. Like I can book a table with my students if I want to celebrate something and Otto can book a table if he has visits from out of the country and the inmates can book a table if they want to celebrate a birthday. So wow. everybody uses it. That is fantastic. That's something I never knew about Holden. That's really amazing. It's not one of the restaurants that like members of the public could use, but staff or inmates could bring visitors into. Yes. yes. Wow, fantastic. So about the way Holden is then, obviously it's designed very differently than a lot of prisons. How would you say that design facility impacts the experience of prisoners? And does it better assist rehabilitation than other prisons, do you think? It's uh, difficult to say, but I think when I ask the inmates what they think about the surroundings here and uh, and the buildings, they say it's nice and okay and uh, they like it, but... uh, I think it's that to take the freedom from them is the most important thing. So uh, I think it's uh, nice when they come from Oslo prison to Halden prison. It's a very big <laughs> change for them, but uh, they get uh, used to it quite fast. So I think that's not the most important thing. It's uh, that we they are in prison and uh, they have to follow our rules. <laughs> so uh, that's the most important thing, I think. But it's also, we're built 
differently than a lot of other older prisons. Like we have the facilities to keep people out of their cells. A lot of older prisons don't have that. They're either in their cells or they're in the yard, but we have kitchens, we have rooms, we have places to where they can just hang out. So that's, I think that's a big difference. And also that it's, it does something with the work environment, I think. And I think also affects the inmates to have surroundings that are light and you get daylight and it's new, things work. It does something when you go to work in the morning, it does something to you. And I think a lot of the inmates also want to kind of take care of it as well. Not everybody, obviously, but for yeah. some, I think they feel a stronger ownership to it. I bet it's like that broken window theory, isn't it? Where if something's nice, you kind of want to keep it that way. Right. Yeah, I am. I think this prison is like it was for 12 years ago when we opened it. Yeah. They take care of it, uh, I think, also the inmates. Yeah. But um, I think also when we have this pandemic, it's important that we have small units with only 10 inmates in each unit and that the inmates also have their own room alone. And also that they have shower in the in the cell. That's uh, I think it was very important when we have this. Uh, I think we managed this pandemic very well here in the Norwegian prisons. That's brilliant. So and is, is that because of what you'd said? The fact that they do have their own room, their own showers, and things. It's yeah, kind yeah. of they're able to maybe live a bit more normally than other prisoners might have been able to in other prisons. Yeah, yeah we considered all of them a little household. Each living unit is a little household, so they can all be together. We don't have to isolate each and every inmate. Brilliant. Yeah. So what kind of space were they allowed to go into then in their bubble slash unit? I think three times we have uh, a big... Breakout, as they were. Breakout, looking. yeah, oh, big okay. breakout. So, <laughs> okay. Loads of positive tests. Yeah. So then they should only stay at their uh, unit and uh, they could use the yard. We closed down down the workshops, we closed down the school, but they could be outside the cell and they could also use the yard. Okay. And when you say in their units, what is actually inside their unit? Is it just their bedrooms or is there something else in there? They have a kitchen there, kitchen in the unit, and they have a place to sit and play cards and a sofa, big TV, great facilities, also outside the cells. Yeah, and as you say, it would have been much different then than maybe older prisons. I'm just using Oslo because you'd mentioned yeah. that. Maybe something like that where they can only go to their cells because there's not anywhere else to sit and socialise. Yeah, so. Oslo is a cell prison, just cells, not facilities where they can have exercise or be together. But in Halden, we have facilities where they can be together outside the cells. So. Uh, it's a very little isolation in this prison. And also we have yards that are big enough and structured in a way that is easy to close them off into different sections. So when we have an outbreak at one unit, they'll be in one kind of part of the yard and then they can also like be together. It's just like closed off. Wow, that is brilliant. And I bet it's maybe too early to tell, but you know, if researchers were looking at mental health in prisons, I'm sure that their mental health would have been probably a lot better than perhaps people in prisons that were quite old and they were just locked in cells. It will be interesting to see the research on it. So going back to what you were saying about the the nature and obviously not having bars on windows, I appreciate they are still in prison. They still have their freedom taken away from them. But to have no bars and to be able to look out to nature 
and to be in a nicer prison, it must be much better for not only inmates' well-being, but also the well-being of staff. Absolutely. I've worked in a lot of older prisons as well. And there's a huge difference, like night and day working in Holton, where things get fixed and things work and we have systems for everything. And it's and then light. The light is important. Yeah, I bet they do say the six best doctors, one of them is light, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> So in relation to new staff that are coming in, so obviously Norway is very much um, in prison. It's very much based on rehabilitation. The punishment is your loss of freedom. Prison is for rehabilitation. How do you ensure that the prison officers that are coming through believe that prison is for rehabilitation and not punishment? When we recruit new officers, they go through a test, of course, and we also have a very important interview with them. So it's done by the, the school, the correctional service school. So they recruit and are very professional to pick out the right persons. I know that Tonya can tell you more about this because she has been through that. <laughs> and maybe she also interviewed new officers. Sonia, you can tell, tell them. Yeah, so it's, it's right. Everything you said, though, we have an interview, we have tests and stuff in the beginning. We have quite a few people applying to get into this prison academy, and they do an amazing job. I must say they had people who interview because they managed to get in such a broad spectrum of people. And we need that. You know, there's some things, some qualities that we definitely need, but we need people to be different because inmates are different. And we need people with different backgrounds, people with different perspectives and, and experiences. And they, they managed to get in a fantastic broad selection of people. And then it's our job as supervisors, we follow them very closely that year they're at the prisons. And it's not, not everybody are meant to be a prison officer or fit to be a prison officer. And, and sometimes people find out that this isn't for them and they voluntarily quit. But it's our job to make them become the best prison officers that they can be and that they want to be. Sometimes we have to kind of help people find a different path in life, but they do a great job at the intake. We get good students out of the prison. That's really good because I, I imagine that with culture, if you got people who maybe came in and didn't believe in the rehabilitation model, it might be quite easy for all the good work that everyone else does to start to unravel. And the role of the prison officer in Holden and the governor, is it quite different than if you were a prison officer or a governor in another prison in Norway? No, I, I think it's the same, uh, especially in Holden, is the buildings and the surroundings. We have the same way of work, lead the prison. So uh, that's not uh, different, but how it, it are built and how it look like and uh, how it, the surroundings is, that's different from other prisons. Okay, so the, yeah, the amount of time you spend with prisoners, that's normal across Norway? Yeah, when they built the, the Bergen prison in 1991, and up today, they build the prisons with uh, much the same facilities like Halden. From the early 90s, they changed the way of thinking in Norway. Single rooms, facilities for activization, and inmates will be together in units. It's the same thing from early 90s up to today. It's really not. It's just Holden got the fame for it. But but the training is the same and the core values and the way of thinking and the goals, they're the same no matter what prison you work in. But we got the credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not um, necessarily a bad thing. I think uh, it, it's the architecture 
Mm. Well, we opened this prison, uh, we have had a visit from um, Time magazine. They were here at the opening of the prison and they they make a couple of uh, articles about this prison and they call it the, the most human prison in the world. And after that, everyone is saying that. But <laughs> I think it's, it is Norway that is special, not only Halden. It's, yeah. We have a lot of special and very good prisons in Norway. Yeah, I would agree. Um, <laughs> so is there any research that you know of that suggests that the architecture and the way Holden kind of sits with the nature and things, is there anything to suggest that recidivism rates are lower when people are in that environment? When it comes to research about recidivism, it's not every prison. They take Norway as the one country. So it's uh, Norway who had a very low recidivism rate. I think it's 25% after five years. Wow. But, but we, we cannot say mm-hmm. what Halden have and what other prisons have because mm-hmm. they don't check that out. <laughs> we, we send a lot of inmates over to open prisons after being here for some years. And uh, it's maybe that prisoner who get the good results because we have done a very good job here in Halden and we send it send them to Boston prison, for yeah. example. <laughs> yeah, where you, you've maybe done some of the groundwork before they go to an open prison. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to release inmates from high security prison. We want everyone to be released from a lower security prison. Yeah, because although Halden, they make their own meals, they have family ties, there's still a difference, isn't there, between being in a high security prison and a low security prison. So is it a better transition to be released into the community from low security than high? Yeah, and they have um, more permission to leave the prison when they are in lower security prison and they they can work outside in the society when they are in the prison. So uh, it's quite a difference between high security and low security. And it doesn't take long before we see the institutionalizing of the inmates. They get used to, because we take away their freedom. I mean, they get used to us telling them what to do at any time of the day. It takes a while for them to get used to making their own decisions again as well and to get used to that slightly more freedom, higher level of freedom. I think that's important before they go back into society and no one's there to make sure they get up in the morning and get to work. Yeah. So in your prison, you do still do that. You get them up for work, for school. I know they make their own breakfast and things. Do you tell them when to go for dinner or? The dinner is served at a set time. They have lunch, just but just like you and me have lunch breaks at work as well. They have their lunch break. Dinner is served at a certain time, but they have their evening where they make meals whenever they want as well. Okay, Perfect. What about the culture between prison officers and people in prison then? In Holden, when people come into prison, do they naturally realise that actually in Norway we engage with prison officers, we can chat to them, we can spend time with them, or do you kind of have to train them in that? The Norwegian inmates that know the system, they know this, and they are actually the ones that kind of guide the Eastern Europeans inmates that are used to different prison systems, as an example. Because some of those guys, they come in and they don't, they don't shake hands, they don't talk to us, they think they're not supposed to, and we kind of have to lower their shoulders a little bit. And other inmates help us in that process as well. 
It's like, dude, you can relax. You're in Norway. It's okay. You can talk to them. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so normally it's a little, that little period of phase goes over fairly quickly. Perfect. So just a final question for you both. Well, two questions. First of all, is Holden your favorite prison that you've worked in? And secondly, for anybody who maybe thinks about a career in corrections, you both, I presume, love it from the amount of time you've been in it. What kind of advice would you give to somebody who wants to work in corrections, particularly in Norway? I have only worked in two prisons. (laughs) Even if I have worked for 40 years in this business, so I've only been in in two prisons. Oslo Prison is the the oldest and um, not so much um, facilities for uh, rehabilitation work so it's a very big difference between Oslo and Halden so of course Halden is best much more possibilities for everyone both the employees and also the inmates so you have to like working with people and also people who are in trouble people who maybe can be a little aggressive and don't listen to you so you have to help them to to find a way out of this criminality work. <laughs> so uh, so you, you have to want to work with people. Perfect. What about yourself, Tonya? Well, I've worked in quite a few different prisons and I've loved every single one of them. And it's good things, you know, every every prison has their good things. You kind of have to just pick and choose and shop a bit and implement every all the good things into your workplace. And I love working at Holden. I've been there for a long time now. I guess what I liked the most when I first started was that nothing was kind of written on the walls. You didn't get that answer. You know, we tried it before. It doesn't work. You know, this is the way we've always done it. You know, all new ideas were welcome. Some things worked, some didn't. But, you know, we gave it a shot and we tried. I kind of liked that. So that's been nice. And as for new prison officers, I think the most important thing is to be curious you have to be curious. You have to like, like I was saying as well, you have to like aggressive people, the angry people, the kids, the depressed people, they're frustrated, they're irritated, they're happy, they're insecure and they're sad. You have to kind of be curious about all of this and remember that most of them are victims, you know? And some of them, have, they haven't grown up. They're still, they've just gotten bigger, you know? If you take time and, and listen to their stories and kind of ravel what kind of background, get to know their background. It kind of, a lot of it makes sense. And that's, that's when you can start working with it. When you, when you understand where this is all coming from. So you have to be curious. Yeah. And that's probably what's so great about Holden is that staff spend so much time with people in prison. You know, if you're playing cards with them or playing guitar with them, it probably just gives you a chance to really chat to them and help them. Because as you say, I think people are starting to realize that people in prison, they are victims. They've had a very traumatic childhood. They, they've they not dealt with the problems that they need to deal with to be able to live a law-abiding life. So the fact that you're there, you mentioned earlier, as a social worker type role as well, mm-hmm. you're probably able to do the work that every prison in the world should be doing, but they maybe just don't have the resources to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we have a lot more staff than uh, other countries. Also, when I are in Sweden and we sit prisons there, they also have a lot of troubles with this. Much more, <laughs> much little staff than in Norway. We are lucky that we, we live in Norway and uh, we also want more staff. But I think compared to other countries, we have a lot of staff compared to other countries, yes. 
And do you think that's because of the, the training that they're given, because they're really supported into the, the role? Yeah, and because of um, Norwegian's oil money. <laughs> we have been a rich country and we used a lot of money on corrections. Also the long education, of course, but also that the prisons are have good standards. Mm-hmm. And sorry, that's actually made me think of one more question. Is Holden a lot more expensive to run than some other prisons in Norway? More expensive to build. Okay. Not so much expensive than uh, other prisons to, to run, but I think it's much more expensive to build. And therefore, they didn't build a new Halden prison because they have built some new prisons after Halden, cheaper prisons. <laughs> so uh, I don't think they want to use so much money <laughs> on prisons in the future. Yeah. But, um, to run the, this prison is not so much uh, more expensive than other prisons. Perfect. And I suppose you could argue, particularly taking Norway as a country, if you spend more money on building better prisons, but the recidivism rates lower, overall you're spending less money because you have to pay for every prisoner that's in prison. So if there's less people in prison and they're coming back less times, you could argue that over time you're actually better building the better prison because you might save money over the long run. Very easy argument to make. It's different budgets, aren't it? Yeah, corrections is a difficult world, isn't it? It is. Well, thank you both so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. As I said, your prison's very famous. People all over the world want to talk to you. So I really appreciate you both taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you for having us. Nice to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I'd be grateful if you could please rate this podcast in the Spotify or Apple app. If you have experience of working in or living in prisons around the world and would like to be a guest on this podcast, please go to evolvingprisons.com and fill in the contact form to contact me.